descend through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Welcome back to The Longest Days of Our Lives, a 24 fan cast. I am one of your hosts, Jack Bauer superfan Mike Cushing. And I am another one of your hosts, 24 newbie Curtis Perry. And I am your third and final host, Michael Howard. Gentlemen, welcome back. It is hour 11 of day two of The Longest Day of Jack Bauer's Life. How are you in this fine hour? I'm doing great. Sun setting? Oh yeah, well it, it, boy, it went down in a hurry, didn't it? Every three minutes it disappeared. Yeah, it tends to do that in LA. I'm pretty sure we talked about this last yeah. time. It just that yep. California sun just says fuck off. Yeah, it just right at dusk. Just there's dies no, there's right no, there's down. no twilight here. California <laughs> knows how to party. knows how to party. Yeah. Um. So before we get into it, I did want to just circle back to a trivia fact that I missed last week that I thought you guys would really enjoy. Okay, give it to me. So do you recall the scene? After uh, CTU takes down Nina uh, and she's finally in custody after having Jack under the gun and Jack walks up to her and whispers in her ear. And Mm -hmm. yeah, do you recall the face that she gave? Yes. In that. okay, Yeah, it was horrified. Just it looked like someone had like killed her mother, her dog and like threatened to kill everyone else she loves Mm -hmm. in her entire Mm -hmm. life. Right. Yep. Yep. So apparently... In that scene, the script called for Kiefer Sutherland to walk up and whisper in Sarah Clark's ear, I will hunt you down for the rest of your life, <laughs> which seems appropriate yeah. given her reaction. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so we've talked about how Sarah Clark is one of the like best actors on this show, like, just like a, like a, just a badass in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you care to guess what Kiefer Sutherland <laughs> whispered in her ear? Oh, it. It definitely wasn't anything related to the show, I'm guessing. It actually is a little bit. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like, but You're it's like, not about like gummy bears or like, you know, some dumb shit. Like he walked up to her and whispered in her ear. Does that to be isn't it? That would explain everything. <laughs> I think this was this would have been before the Keith You Pirate Man video. So he walked up and in the scene whispered. Sarah, I love you. Why did you mander Xander Berkeley? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) And she had to have the most stoic, worried, just, oh my God, he's going to kill me face in the world. And Sarah, I love you. Why did you marry Xander Berkeley? Just an incredible, just poker face and like now more than ever i want to have sarah clark on this show oh my god that's magnificent yes that anyone great. who knows sarah clark or who sees her anywhere yeah curtis do you think the joe could hook us up <laughs> yeah, that's right i don't i don't think he has limited hollywood connections like the like, limitless hollywood connections i don't think he knows everybody in the town but i mean he knows lieutenant we'll see. Dan, though he does love and mindy kaling oh see that's yeah pretty close and, I mean, <laughs> I, think I don't if think you, so. I think if you know Gary Sinise, you could probably get in touch with someone. Sarah Clark's agent. The yeah. yeah. I mean, there are a bunch of folks on the shows that he's worked on that I think maybe could hook us up. So um, I hope so. Well, I hope so. Call. Well, call. gentlemen, welcome to the uh, six o'clock hour. Um, we are heading towards sunset rapidly. And uh, as you'll recall, 
some th- some shit happened in the last episode. Um, Jack Bauer, after being released by CTU from Nina Meyer's villainous clutches, uh, informed President David Palmer that a Colonel Ron Sanders and a covert U.S. military group called the Coral Snake Team had attacked his plane. By the way, every time only- you say Ron Samuels. Samuels, I keep thinking you're going to say Ron Swanson. Every time. Every time. It's 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 also his name is actually shit, dude. In my notes, I wrote Colonel Sanders, not <laughs> Colonel. I, I Colonel Samuels. I wondered who would do Ron it. I really did. I but the thing is, I wrote Sanders, read Samuels, so my brain is on the right. But like, there there's a lot of Colonel situation, and now like, I want to see a Colonel Swanson. There's a lot of Colonels and Rons swimming around in our in our collective conscious right now that it's got to come out in a bad way. Um, and he says that the Coral Snake team could have only gotten their information from the inside, which leads David Palmer to question Roger Stanton, the acting head of the NSA, about Coral Snake. The lying liar. The lying liar that he is. He expresses his misgivings to Stanton about to his wife, or sorry, ex-wife, Sherry Palmer, who's there kind of as a aid sort of fixer in uh, in the end rock at the moment and mm-hmm. um we found out at the end of last week's episode that sherry is actually working with stanton to potentially undermine david's presidency and possibly but probably not set off this nuclear bomb in la um we see syed ali instruct his uh cohort to kill kate warner uh and at the last second she is rescued by Jack Bauer after she sees and can positively identify Sad Ali, and she says that Ali was going to go pray at a local mosque. Uh, and then the closing of the episode was Kim, Kim Bauer Kim does bad. Es- escaping from police custody by starting a fire in the police transport, breaking the spine of her boyfriend, <laughs> and uh, sending the... Uh, <laughs> Highway Patrolman Officer Brown to an unknown fate while she runs off into the fucking woods. And <laughs> and it's coming up on Twilight. Coming up on Twilight. And so this episode has... Sorry, and at the very end of the episode, Rezana Yir, uh, who is engaged to Marie Warner, who is the sister of Kate and daughter of Bob Warner, who is a CIA freelancer. Uh, Marie Warner kills Reza. In the mm-hmm. in the middle of him finding uh, evidence against Syedali, the the terrorist. So financier. if you if you break off an engagement with someone, mm-hmm. then we learn from our lawyer friends that the guy can ask for the ring back, right? Yeah, you have to legally give it back. Yep. Yep. If she breaks it off by murdering him, does she have to give the ring back to someone else, or does she just get to hang on to it? Until they catch her, I think he gets to keep that some bitch. Um, if she gets caught, I think his parents get it. Well, I mean, yeah, Curtis. If she, if she doesn't get caught, yeah, she, she can, can keep whatever her. she wants. Yeah, you no, know, she... I get the comedy of it. That's why I made the joke. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> Fuck, you know. She also gets to keep the Cuisinart art that that Susan mailed in and, for the wedding, the bread which maker, was supposed and to the be bread today. Maker, or the two waffle makers. By the way, if you get married in this century, you will receive two waffle makers. Why? Everybody loves waffles, man. <laughs> and maybe they don't trust your waffle maker choice. It's true. Like, nah, he picked the wrong one off of this. Like, everybody wants to be the one who bought you a waffle maker. Hey, got them waffles? Hey, Curtis. You like you, those, don't you? Are you saying you have an extra waffle maker? <laughs> we have an extra waffle maker and an extra griddle, sir. Well, one? I have a griddle. Um, 
I know it's been a minute since yeah, you why got Why do you have an extra one and Kush, still does, hanging on to Kush that? has zero? I mean, Sorry, I know it's man. been a couple of years. Are you still hanging on to that, that waffle iron? Yeah. <laughs> case, of, case of breaks. You never know. Got to have a backup yeah, waffle maker yeah. all the time. I got a spare, a spare maker do waffles. Well, I, okay. I don't know. I don't want to deprive you of that. Um, I will say this episode is um, it's a blessing and a curse, <laughs> mostly in the Kim Bowers sphere. Oh, God. Fucking Kim. We'll get to that. Um She's on screen a lot, but there's one tidbit of this of the Kim role in this episode that I hope you guys picked up on, but you might not have. Um, but we'll get into it. So we open, we see a helicopter circling as police and EMTs swarm around Officer Brown's overturned SUV, and uh, we see Kim Bauer running down a dirt service road into the woods to and trying to avoid notice from the helicopter overhead, and just like she, a lot of just huffing. And a lot. She's, and she's Kim out of breath. Kim she's coming up. up so hard. Uh, we see her duck down into a small ravine covered with some brush. And then she finds a small cave underneath a tree. Uh, and she crawls into the brush to hide. And at Warner Enterprises, which to which we cut, we see raised on a year's dead body. And uh, Marie Warner walks over to the desk where Agent Richards is dead, also having been shot by her. Um, mm-hmm. She picks up her gun, and then she starts to remove the hard drive for Bob Warner's computer. And, um, Michael, I don't know about you. I know we watched this show pretty drunk back in the day. <laughs> I could have sworn Raysa lived. Uh, but... It doesn't appear that way, but, yeah, I was kind of surprised when they showed the previously on. Um, and they showed him getting <laughs> shot right. I was like, he didn't get shot anywhere that was going to kill him. No, it was in the but heart. No, it was right it was, in the heart. He got Mozambique. Heartal region. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't uh, I don't think he's going to pull through this time no. like he did last yeah. time we watched it. We get confirmation later that he is <laughs> dead. And maybe it's just because we watched rewatched each of these episodes like nine times because everyone was too drunk <laughs> oh, to like, really Ray's follow up. is still alive. It's the he same keeps- episode, you fucking idiot. He keeps coming back. Um, so she rips the hard drive out of the computer, which, by the way, was not properly secured with screws or clamps. Nope. Um, it's it was, it it was right like out. a Mac. It you was one of those weird Mac just, ones. She ripped all those apart. Whatever. It's true. And then she receives a phone call from Syed Ali informing her that Bashir and Marco Katami are dead. Uh, and Omar has the van now. So uh, those are the names of the two fellows, uh, Maz Jabrani and his cohort, who killed each other in the van with uh, Rick, the pool guy. Um, I will say this surprised me. Like, I mean, it surprised me when I originally saw it. I, I mean, I knew. But it surprised me that she was all in on this. She's integral. Plan. Yeah, like she knows yeah. exactly what's going to happen. and She's 100 percent OK with it. Right. Yeah. Curtis, I'm curious what you thought about this, too, because so we learned one that she's an active participant and threat in this plot. And she asks what Sayedali needs her to do. And he, she says, I need you to pick up the bomb trigger at Marco's from Marco's locker at his work right. at a lumber yard. And um, says, we need a key. I need it as quickly as possible. She just says, we know I'll take care of it. And he says, I know you will. Like, he trusts her implicitly almost yeah. more than anyone else in this plot, which, like, <gasps> that was something that really stuck. It was like, she's an active participant and, like, has the trust of the chief engineer of this plot. He looks like her dad, too. Okay. No. They're Curtis, fucking. What, Curtis, what do, you, what do you think about it? Correct. I'm fine with that. Marie's arguably the worst character right now in the season. 
So it makes sense that she's just a horrible human being and a terrorist. So I don't, I don't understand what the, the, the limit is here. Um, she sucks. Is um, she's close? Is she having sex with Syed Ali, though, is what I want to know. Yeah. Well, I, I think she got, obviously, she got radicalized in Saudi Arabia. So I don't know if she considers herself like devout. I mean, she did bang Reza and, you know, is willing to bang to get the job done for terrorism. I, I just, I, I wasn't really surprised at all by Marie. I mean, she, she's been god awful this whole season. And like, in my opinion, the only people, can, there's only two ways you can be god awful on 24. You're either a criminal or you're Kim. Um, so, you know, that's the logical conclusion is that Marie's a criminal. Yeah. Sidely tells, uh, Marie to alter her appearance since being a blonde white girl might be a little, uh, conspicuous in her current line of work. And she hangs up. We see Marie walk past the corpse of Agent Maccabee. And, uh, as they hang up, we see Sidely approaching a mosque and he speaks with the greeter before walking inside. And then, we see a black SUV cruising through the streets of LA, and we get a tiny clock at 6.05. Please take a drink. And uh, Jack is in the SUV prepare- preparing Kate Warner, Maria's sister, for what is going to happen at the mosque. And he says, once you're finished, we're going to transfer you to CTU after you identify Sadali. They have a weird exchange here where Jack kind of like tries to commiserate with her about how difficult this must be. And Kate says, it would really help me out a lot if you could tell me what's going on. To which Jack says, not at liberty to say because again i am a counter-terrorist agent and kate says well your people took the liberty of arresting my father suspected of terrorism syed ali took the liberty of kidnapping me and killing paul copland right in front of me yeah why does she use his whole name it's very weird right i think i've earned the right to know what's going on which is not how counter-terrorism works (laughs) at all but Jack goes ahead and tells her what's up, yeah. including the fact that there's a nuclear bomb threat on the on the yeah. city of L.A. And very importantly, he tells her that they're running out of time. Yes. So please take a drink. Mm-hmm. Jack you says, you're the only person who's ever seen Sayed Ali alive. And the reason I'm taking you with me and not returning you to CTU according to protocol is we're running out of time. <laughs> So I, in my notes, I had drink in all caps with five eyes. So that's how you know sure. it's serious. Um, so I don't know why Jack really just lays it on the line for, but he does. And then he gets a call from George Mason to let him know that tactical teams have set a hard perimeter around the mosque within literally seven feet of the mosque. <laughs> uh, I don't know how they did it without being seen, but whatever. The terrorists will never see it coming. And then after he says that, he also tells Jack that, whoopsie doodles, we lost Kim again, and um, she got into a a car accident, but don't worry, she's she's fine. fine. Oops, but she ran away into the woods. How Um, fine could she be then? George tries to console Jack by saying, well... At least she's outside of the blast radius. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's, a, he's like, if it's any consolation. And it's like, you know what? I, I was I was going to make fun of it. And then I was like, you know what? I It kind of is, I guess. Yeah. It makes sense. It's, it's, right? good. it's better than being inside, inside you know, the blast radius. Some up jumped, whatever, uh, an officer got got all in his chest to get them arrested. And then, but think about it, Jack. She won't get dead if the bomb goes off. So and again, like if the bomb Hell. does go off, law enforcement will have bigger fish to fry <laughs> than Kim. Mm-hmm. Um, but so there's this there's a moment here, and then later in the episode where like Jack just so 
in season one, Jack made some pretty significant intuitive leaps about like seeing one thing and connecting it to the, the larger plot. So Kate obviously overhears this phone call and she's like wants to know what's going on. And Jack says, well, it's my daughter. And Kate asks if she's connected to the plot. And she's like, no, 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 but she's in some kind of trouble. And Jack just says, I don't know yet. I hope not. It's like, you fucking know, Jack. <laughs> You know Kim, Kim at this point. You know what happened. Oh, he also missed the damn it there. Well, t- hey, uh, Jack says damn, damn it, take George. A drink. Yeah, that was damn it, George. Yeah, yep. good point. Take a drink. Sorry, guys, my notes were lacking. Damn it, George. Thank you, Michael. My what ni- are you saying? All you know, all he wanted was for them to take care of mm-hmm. Kim, and he's like, you know, we lost Kim. There's a damn it, George coming. Yeah, it's got to happen well, every time. Yeah, all I wanted you to do was take care of Kim and also do the job where you're supposed to find this nuclear bomb. But yeah, you know, you also do that. Babysit my stupid, stupid, stupid daughter, please. Who the stupidest? Literally can't be trusted with anything. But somehow she got hired as a nanny to watch a small child. Um, so we get a tiny clock. It is now six oh seven, and we see some intelligence dweeb walking through the Enrock with a folder past the table with the NSA director Roger standing talking with some important looking dudes. And then we pan into a conference room where uh, Chief of Staff Mike Novick hangs up a phone call and informs. President David Palmer, that somehow a consensus of Justice Department judges believe the evidence uh, linking Roger Stanton to blowing up a plane and trying to stop the uh, investigation into the nuclear bomb against L.A. is circumstantial at best and insufficient to warrant action against him. Can he just, like, suspend him or something? Like, send him on force PTO just for the day? (laughs) Like, take the day, fellas. Oops, I couldn't reach you. It's time for me to do this one. A solo mish. (laughs) (laughs) So, Palmer asked what more they could possibly need than directly linking Stanton to a rogue mercenary group (laughs) who shot a plane down uh, carrying the agent chiefly responsible for finding a nuclear bomb. Um, Yeah, I love how they're like, it's not actionable. It's like, so you can't even question him a little bit like we're not saying arrest him and throw him in jail immediately like maybe we should ask a few questions just a few like i get like like the legal action aside david palmer is the least subtle man alive (laughs) because like at this point he doesn't know that sherry has already tipped off roger stanton but so he's standing in a small like sort of private office that is just open windows, which seems like not a great situation for the president to They're be in. They're not even the ones where you like press the button and the smoke comes in them. Right. But so he's sitting at the window staring <laughs> daggers at Roger Stanton sitting at a table 12 feet away from him. Throwing like, darts at a Roger Stanton face on the dartboard. Yeah. Like he like, I don't know, like he's not is he no poker face whatsoever. <laughs> And he says he will not tolerate Roger Stanton to lead the NSA. And Mike says, well, it's going to take some time for the judge to issue a warrant. So why don't you just go ahead and arrest Stanton now and deal with the legal ramifications tomorrow? I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I guess it makes sense. But It's better to ask forgiveness than permission, my friend. Yeah, that doesn't usually work for the law, though. I, the thing. Are you sure? Yeah, because like if sure? I ask for permission to murder someone and they say no, then I don't get to murder someone, but I also don't have to go to jail. 
I mean, OJ's been like talking about murdering people for only twenty years. The thing is, but he he got acquitted and then started talking shit. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so the, the thing about this one for me is like I do not I I do not have a read on Mike Novick at all because he constantly oscillates between this like state of like he's in a quantum state at all times of don't do anything. Do the most extreme <laughs> shit possible. I feel like, though, he, he's like, whenever he is one-on-one with David, he is the devil on his shoulder. But then whenever anyone else is in the room, he is much more central. Yeah. So it's like well, almost think, like, what's your deal, yo? I think even last week, though, he like him and Sherry oscillated is- positions a little bit. Like <laughs> at at one point he was like, nah, fucking burn that shit to the ground. And he was like, nah, I don't know. We shouldn't do that. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so David just reacts and says, I can't believe Sherry was right that my own people were working against me. And Mike says... Well, Stanton won't be easy to break, so we may have to expand the limits of how far you've been willing to go in the past to extract information, and you should do whatever it takes to find out what Stanton knows. And my only note to that was, are we sure Mike isn't also working against the president? Are we sure that Mike isn't insane psychopathic? Because he jumped to that real fucking fat. He went from like, I don't know, we need to get some evidence last episode to like nah fucking arrest him torture his ass and maybe kill him if you have to curtis i'm curious what you think about this too but like david has already kidnapped a member of the press in this season like he's clearly already expanded his limits of what he's willing to do oh it goes further i mean it's it's just like it's kind of scary uh in this context to be like hey this guy just kidnapped a member of the media and now he's going to fire his nsa chief where's the nsa chief talk about it Uh, don't ask questions (laughs) Wait, he, this, he, he, this seems weird, y'all. He Don't went to upstate Oregon to visit Ron Whelan's family. He went to a farm. Yeah. We li- released him on a it farm. Won't. He's so happy now. He's running free. We'll get to He's it later. He's like, he, he went to a data server farm. <laughs> <laughs> He's just looking at reams of tape. <laughs> Forever. Till his, heart, till his heart's content. He's crawling through piles of metadata. <laughs> We we cut outside of that room to see Lynn Kresge, the president's aide, telling Sherry Palmer that the president can't be disturbed. And Sherry, despite being in on the conspiracy, says, I revealed Roger Stanton's conspiracy, so it makes no sense that David would keep me out of the loop. And please know that it's only been 20 minutes since you last spoke to the president, <laughs> like, on film, so... That doesn't seem that out of the blue for, like, a normal conversation. Um, And uh, Sherry tells Lynn to tell her what David is going to do about Stanton. Okay, and so Lynn just says, hey, I'm I'm sure President Palmer would ask for any assistance from either myself or you if he wanted it. And then we get a pretty testy exchange from from Sherry. You knew this was going to come back up, that that Lynn took credit for her speech. Yep. And so she, I mean, she didn't even wait. Like she threw that right back in her face, basically like, "Hey, you took you took credit for that, but I, I was fine with that. But now, uh, now you gotta you gotta pay me back a little bit." That's also one of like the most innocuous workplace things, though. <laughs> Just like, yeah, sure, you're a consultant here. The employee gets the credit for like, "Hey, look what we did." Like. Sherry is just there to like filter things up and like help them out. And like, she doesn't even have an official position. What the fuck does anyone care? Which, which comes up later. 
So Sherry says, right now, my only interest is to help David get to this day. And I assume that's your priority as well. What is and her end goal? I'm so curious because I don't think it's to make sure David gets through this day. I don't. Based on what we saw last week. After this exchange, we cut to a view through a chain link fence covered in a blue tarp. And we see uh, the mosque in the distance across from a one lane road. Uh, and we get a tiny clock. It is 610. Uh, a tactical agent closes the rolly fence Somehow it was open to a garage full of agents <laughs> and no one noticed, but whatever. So he walks through the garage and we see some SUVs arrive in the distance. Jack jumps out of one of them. He pulls Kate Warner out of the car and uh, Agent Baker, played by Daniel Day Kim, uh, greets him and says, we have 30 men deployed to go inside, but there are at least 100, maybe 120 people inside the mosque. And Jack says, stand down. We're going to go in if we have to, but... I don't want to try to uh, jump into a crowd control situation with 120 people where Syed Ali could just kill himself. Instead, he says, we'll wait for the prayer to end. Ali will come out and Kate can identify him for a surgical takedown, which Baker correctly asks, what happens if someone spots us standing 20 (laughs) feet away from the mosque? Poking out from this giant hole in the tarp. Kate offers to go oh, into right, the prayer yes, service yes. herself yep. wearing a hijab and she will identify Syed Ali from the inside. And at first Jack says, uh, no, thank you. But Kate, Kate seems insistent on playing a role to help prevent the attack now that she knows what the stakes are. Um, and Jack just kind of hangs his head and asks if she really thinks that she can do this psychologically and kate says yes and here's the thing narrator it wasn't jack has tortured people before Mm -hmm. he knows what it does to the psyche and what like seeing your torturer probably does to you jack knows better than than this like as it was happening i was kind of like god damn it kate you're screwing everything up and then i was like you know what no that's probably exactly how i would react if somebody had tortured the shit out of me and then i saw them the thing is i would ask for a gun yeah, but they, which obviously I would not yeah. get. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think in any other show, like she would get a, she would have a gun yeah. somehow, and would um, go in and mess it up by shooting him. Hey, hey, y'all! Remember last season, though? Remember when you gave Homegirl a knife after she sexed up the sexy angel terrorist? I do. <laughs> That's true. See? Maybe, maybe, maybe don't weaponize a traumatized woman. Yeah, just I'm just you know. Yeah, you, you probably shouldn't give person who's been traumatized the opportunity to maim and or kill the traumatized er or or confront at all. Yeah. Give him some time. It's been it's been literally like 25 minutes. Right. So Jack just kind of nods because he has no other choice. And he turns to Agent Baker and asks for a floor plan of the Moss, shoots a calculating gaze at, at Kate Warner. So in a split screen at 616, we see Jack Bauer looking across the street with binoculars. We see Kim Bauer crawling out of her cave. And we see David Palmer staring across the end rock. And then we see Roger Stanton working at his laptop when he suddenly gets an alert that his accesses, access to NROC resources has Denied. been blocked. He uh, he does the classic double take and tries to redo the action against the alert again. And um, he looks pretty confused. And we see Mike Novick inform David that everything is placed. And Palmer gives the go ahead and we see. This is something military- I'm terrified of, by the way. Not not this what comes after it. But like if I go into work and my email isn't working on like a Monday morning, I was like, fuck, did I get fired? I no joke. I mean, I so 
for listeners, I just took a new job. Hey, congrats, and like buddy. my computer didn't work for three seconds earlier. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I'm locked out of the system. And I was like, we don't even have any systems at my job. <laughs> like, so, yeah, back in 07, uh, 08, boys, I worked in, in, in housing and home building. And uh, a bunch of my colleagues on a night when we knew there were layoffs coming the next day uh, couldn't access the email, so they all called me. Hey, hey, Curtis, what's up? Because I was one of the people in the IT organization, and, and I was told the night before to not come into the office until 10.30 a.m. <laughs> at minimum. So I knew I was safe, but they were like, hey, my email doesn't work. What does that mean? And I just said, hey, man, you know, just uh, uh, monster. Hang, hang in there. That's good. Yeah, yeah you're going to be all right. <laughs> So don't worry about it. And then indeed, (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't. This was oh seven. There was no indeed. Uh, No indeed. Okay. Um. Yeah, man. Yeah, that sucks. But here's the thing. This isn't like though us not getting our email. He's the director of the NSA. Mm -hmm. So this is like Jeff Bezos not being able to sign into his Amazon account one day. It's just like, yo, son, the fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I actually run this shit. I don't care if literally everything else on Earth goes dark. I better get my shit. (laughs) Hey, Mark Zuckerberg. Hey, y'all, I can get into my account. Uh, We meant to tell you something. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, I actually run Fort Meade. So if you could just go ahead and let me log into that shit real quick. Thanks. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, so as he realizes this, we see military personnel approaching him and an army colonel named Lamb in informs him that he is... In the middle of Enrock. Right in That's the middle. That's a very, very decorated colonel, by the way. Very. Just gonna say it. Colonel Lamb has... Sheriff Clark decorated? Yeah! <laughs> He's got all the medals. But not as cool of a hat. Uh, when, no hat, actually. Um, so Which he informs kind of Stanton <laughs> that he is under arrest on conspir- charges of conspiracies. God. Charges of conspiracy to commit treason against the U.S. And Stanton is like, oh, uh, me? <laughs> and says, can I speak to the president? And Colonel Lamb says, I'm sure you'll get that chance eventually. And he's led away as literally everyone in the Enrock just stares at them. And he walks. He could have just Lamb called them into Stanton. a meeting. Right, yeah. He just could have like, hey, can you come down into this hallway real quick? Where, oops, under arrest. This, there have to be better ways to take high-level public well, service he, he just agent had into custody. a private conversation with him in the last episode in the office. Right. Like, he could have just done that again, but, like, then arrested him. Which kind of makes what happens later in this episode even dumber. Mm-hmm. Because people saw mm-hmm. Roger Stanton be taken into custody. Mm-hmm. We then see Lynn Kresge, the uh, president's aide, walk into his office and inform him that Sherry's been trying to reach him for half an hour, which David says, yeah, I got it. <laughs> um, Sherry asks what David intends to do about Roger. Mm. And... Again, this is another weird flip-flop, because I think last episode, Sherry was like, yeah, fucking roast this dude. And now she's like, yeah, you probably should have waited until you had more concrete evidence. Maybe she knows someone at the Justice Department as well to tell that she knew they were going to tell David to that it wasn't good enough evidence. Maybe. And then he went, he basically went on his own, and so she was, like, shocked. Yeah, so Sherry tries to say that she was responsible for the info on Stanton, so she should be allowed a place at the table. 
And David just like shuts her the fuck. So, so it, this is this was a weird thing. And Curtis, I want your opinion on this because in the last episode, David yep. really seemed to be warming up to her. But then he he's, he says, "I don't run my decisions past you. You're not a member of my staff, a government employee, or my wife." Mm. Just the triple. Punch. Also, you're not allowed near my staff or my member. <laughs> <laughs> So David just says, whatever you're doing today is on my terms, not yours. Continue what you're doing. Oh, that Sherry says that was your decision. <laughs> it's like, well, you tried to murder a child. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not. So no, it was both our decisions that you know my wife. So, okay. Yeah. Curtis, do you think David knows? Do you think David knows he's being played? So, it felt like all of a sudden David grew up. Mm. And we never got to really see why it happened. It just happened because he, like, became really suspicious of her, like, real mm. fast. Like, instant shit. Like, I mean, it's been 20 yeah. minutes since the end of last episode where she was holding his hand on her right. shoulder. Do you think Lynn like, is uh, maybe said I mean, something? Lynn's been going after Sherry the whole time, but we never saw a time when he was talking to her. So we see Lynn Kresge evaluating David from her uh, from her desk, and we get a tiny clock at 619. And we cut to CTU where Michelle Dessler um, is arguing with FBI agents on the phone about how they want a representative at the operation at the mosque, like they've learned nothing about putting their agents near Jack Bauer. And uh, she hangs up, and Tony comes over to her, and he picks the exact right moment to bring up their earlier conversation about dating. (laughs) Michelle's like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry I brought that up. And Tony just says, no, I'm glad you did. There's been something hanging between us since you started here. Uh, This dick. That (laughs) dick, though. And he says he made a decision a while ago, about 18 months ago at most. <laughs> was it when your last girlfriend murdered people? <laughs> <laughs> to keep personal and professional life separate. And like, what? I don't know, he says he's been keeping his distance because of what happened between him and Nina Myers. It's like, Tony, my man, no. <laughs> That's not a decision that you just give up on in, in 12 months. Oh, uh, yeah. It, he just, I mean, he wants her. He doesn't care. Right. He's just making shit up now. So they get interrupted by a call from a security guard that Bob Warner is acting up and becoming agitated and violent. And so Tony walks away to take care of that. And we see Michelle smile at him. And do mm-hmm. you th- do we still think Michelle is a mole or just fucking smitten with well, those I mittens? Don't trust, I don't trust anybody who wants Tony's dick. <laughs> um, Even Sans Soul Patch? Yeah, that doesn't matter. Um because he's he, he is a his emotions fan. his emotions swing so far. Um, he doesn't really stay centered. Like Jack mostly doesn't give a fuck. He just wants to kill people and, and you know and prevent mm-hmm. terror. Mm-hmm. Sure. And if he has to save a Kim, he'll do that. If Terry's also available to be saved, on his way to Kim, he'll do that. <laughs> right. Um, Tony's just like everywhere, you know, and he and he's like so emotional about I'm I <laughs> I'll never fall in love at work again. Oh my God, you're so adorable. <laughs> You know, like he doesn't really have a center or understand that, hey, there are also women that exist outside of CTU. What? Um, Yeah, but Curtis, to be fair, though, the women that exist outside of CTU in this universe are Kate Warner and Marie Warner, (laughs) one of whom is a terrorist, one of whom sucks. I don't want any Warners. That's, you're right. Well, there's, you got the Warners and you got, uh. Kim. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah, because so, Kim's boss is dead now, so... I don't care. Yeah, so we see Tony go into the uh, the holding room where Bob is, and 
Tony tells him that Marie went to the office where Marie was helping. Uh, sorry, Marie went to the office where uh, Razor was helping them search for evidence. And Kate is with an agent of theirs, which Bob <laughs> does not love. But Tony says she'll be fine. <laughs> And we cut to a park garage where we see Kate putting on a hijab with no veil. As She'll Jack's be fine. Don't sh- worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're just about to shove her into a mosque with a known terrorist. Um, easy. So uh, Jack tells uh, Kate how to enter the, the mosque uh, and then how to exit it once she sees Syed Ali. And uh, she says she understands. He in the most suspicious way vegan. possible, too. Oh, my go God. Go in the front, was... walk straight through, go out the back. No one will notice. Don't worry about it. Yeah, so he gives her an emergency homing beacon that will send a signal directly to his walkie-talkie in case she feels like she's in danger. I thought it was a rape pull- whistle when he first handed it to her or something. I mean, it, it essentially is. And can you actually imagine a better better rape whistle than you hit a button Jack and Bauer Jack Bauer just, comes no, with a gun? That is the greatest rape whistle. Oh, my God. I like, would pay a thousand dollars for that. Like I kind of want one just for like I yeah. had that bad day at work. <laughs> take, this, take this, this Bauer whistle. Yeah, what's gonna happen if I blow it? Oh, oh, oh. don't you worry about that. <laughs> Let him worry I'll, about that. I'll be CEO tomorrow. <laughs> um, so he pulls the tarp aside and Kate covers her face, and we get a tiny clock at six twenty-three. Please take a drink as she walks across the street to the mosque, which. She has a brief conversation with the uh, the greeter in the mosque, and she apologizes for being late after he asks if she's ever uh, wor- uh, prayed with them before, and she spills some bullshit. And she follows the greeter into the prayer area, and we see Kate see a uh, row of number of rows of men uh, kneeling, facing away from her, while she scans the participants, and they are praying. And she sees a couple men who are similarly dressed to Sayedali in all black with silver buttons and a uh, a white uh, head garment. And then she finally sees Sayedali and has a minor freak out. Okay, she just completely freezes. She freezes. She puts her hand to her face again and just like gasps, spins around. A little suspicious. So I, thought it was odd. Well, I thought it was odd that the, the guy, the greeter at the door was seemed pretty suspicious of her as she came in because that's just i don't know it's like why why would he have a reason to be suspicious unless he knew why, about why, why, why a woman come come by herself to a to i a guess but it was it, i don't know it just it, it seemed like it was meant to like create a little bit more tension which wasn't really needed but then once she stopped and stood there and just stared for like 15 seconds then i was like oh, okay now i get it well and then so she turns away to walk towards the women's area and as she does, we see Syed Ali's head spin rapidly to look directly at her. Mm-hmm. And she kind of walks away as quickly as she can. So Runs clearly into some she's shit. been marked. <laughs> and she proceeds to the fire exit. And Jack catches her outside the door in like the worst way possible by just <laughs> shoving. <laughs> like, Rah, I got you. <laughs> and she screams. Are you scared now? Yeah, she screams into his hand and then confirms once he's comforted her that uh, Sayedali is inside. And we cut to commercial at 625. We come back at 630. Uh, We are at the NROC where Mike Novick and David Palmer are walking towards Stanton's detention cell. And Mike informs Palmer that they were able to pick up a partial trace of Stanton's last call. And it went to a number in Langley, Virginia, which is obviously the CIA, but they couldn't get a complete number. And I have to wonder if, like, they got the last one to Langley 
They should have gotten Sherry Palmer's phone number, but that didn't come up. Mm-hmm. So David enters the room and Stanton like stands up respectfully to the president. Um, and David just says, sit down. I know it all. You did opcom eyes only. You communicated with Colonel Samuels. Nailed it. Two hours ago. Uh, Samuels and the mercenaries tried to kill Jack Bauer. And he says, I don't know, Roger. It almost seems like you want this bomb to go off today. But I'll tell you this. People die. Roger, you'll be executed. And even if we find the bomb, you'll still get life without the possibility of parole. But all I want is to find the bomb in time. So I have a deal for you. Tell me everything. Everything. And I'll bury this. You'll resign due to health reasons, you get your pension, retire in a nice house in the country, and you'll be given a full grant of immunity. Do we have a deal? And I gotta say, I'd take that deal even if I didn't do anything wrong. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I can live my life? Alright, sure. I It was Sherry. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, whoopsies. Yeah, I, so... <laughs> This when I saw this, I was like, okay, this is going to either go one of two ways. Either he's going to give up Sherry in a heartbeat, or basically David overplayed his hand, told them everything he knew, and he realized that he ain't no shit. Which right? So the, and that maybe it goes way deeper than that. And Roger's like, oh, okay, yeah, you don't know shit. You you have nothing. Like we're good. And like from the start, he must. I mean, if that's the case, he must have known that because everything David knows is from Sherry, mm-hmm. who's on Roger's side. Right. So Roger never had anything to fear except a little bit of pain, which he gets mm, a little bit lighter. I I don't think Just that uh, I don't think that Roger thought that was coming from DP. Yeah. So what does Roger do? He says, "I don't know what you're talking about, Mr. President. Mm. I've done nothing. I've done nothing wrong. Just right to his face." This lies okay. right to his face. You don't lie to me? To my face? Okay. And David just... Oh, man. He kind of he looked different. David changes here, and from what we have seen of David Palmer in the past, like, what he does in this episode specifically is very different than the David Palmer persona that has been built up. The one that was so worried about dignity and justice that he wanted to send his own son to jail. Yeah, how did... Real quick, though... How do we feel about Mike? Because, like, generally the chief of staff is, like, your f- your smart friend who knows no, you well. No, I see. Can- I like Mike. Because Mike Mike is, he's a little sly. He lets David be himself, but he, like, like he nudges as he needs mm-hmm. to. He lets also, David right, think it's his idea. That's what, sh- that's what Shady exactly. doesn't understand. Yeah. It's, like, so, like, I like Ronald Emanuel as a mayor of Chicago, but I feel like him and Barack Obama probably didn't get along as chief of state, because, like, like, I mean, Barack Obama was probably always like, hey, Ron, we're going to do this, Ron. like, no! Fuck everybody! And it's like, all right, man, calm down. Take it. That's take a pill. He probably, he could I, I will he say, I take no like pills, man. Mike. Mike is probably one of my favorite characters in this series. Mike's dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. We're on the same page. Um, so David stares at Roger and walks out. And we get a tiny clock. Please take a drink. It is 6.33. And at the mosque, we see some snipers moving into position uh, while Jack tells the infiltration teams how Ali is dressed, all in black with silver buttons. And he says Kate will identify him after the service ends in 19 minutes, which... 6.52, which is kind of a weird, very specific time to end. Also that, but it also gives us plenty of time for a big mountain kitty cat. <laughs> Hold on, can I ask you a question, though? Yeah. Why, why is Sia Lee dressed like a backward Miss Mary Mac? <laughs> Just, is like that a thing? Like that, that dudes do? Oh, now? I'll trust in. Bye, 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 <laughs> With silver buttons, 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 I'll down her back, 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 
Yeah, I'm just shit, dude. Fuck. Does that rhyme have more to tell us about Syed Ali? <laughs> shit, okay. I blow minds around here, son. Go yeah. on to your cougar. <laughs> Dang. Well, uh, so Agent Baker tells his teams that they should shoot to wound only, which is not necessarily the forte of police forces around the world. Uh, the team breaks. You see multiple teams and snipers get into position. Jack brings Kate up to the top of the parking garage where they can observe. And um, from like still Jack's like a hundred feet away, literally anyone who just looks up to the sky can see 17 agents <laughs> on the side of this building. Yeah. Like they're not being anywhere near covert or stealthy, but um, Jack tells Kate, I thought what you did in the mosque was really courageous. And Kate says, really? I'm still shaking. And uh, Jack just says, well, you did great. And Curtis, how's your romance-o-meter looking right now? <laughs> also, the way you read that scene, Kush, it sounded like it was from like Gone with the Wind. <laughs> I yeah. thought you were real courageous in there. I mean, it fucking was, though. still shaking. Between these two, my worst fear is that Please, sweet Jesus, I hope not, but it probably is going to happen because Jack. <laughs> yeah, actually. Well, Jack says we have 17 minutes to go, and then we get a tiny clock. It is 635. Please take a drink. And we Welcome see, to the jungle. We see Kim Bauer wandering in the wilderness far from any human contact, and she's kind of running all over the place, clearly has no idea where she's going. She's getting tired. She's running through the woods, and then... She hears a twig snap behind her. She looks around, and Curtis, please tell me what she sees. And what she hears. Please tell me what she hears, too. Wow! It's a goddamn mountain lion. So she sees a mountain lion. A California panther, a cougar, a puma, a fucking nittany lion. Running running down a valley beneath (laughs) her. Probably probably six hundred yards away. Really, which really makes, far away. Which makes the rest of what happens to Kim <laughs> and so then, fucking stupid. <laughs> she starts to run. She runs up up the hill. She runs through a a small mountain pass, and um, as she attempts to flee, Curtis. Then what happens? <laughs> she runs into a goddamn trap. Mm, very she gets stuck in a though, in a fucking cougar trap. And within within the course of five minutes, she ends up being on higher ground from said panther to being distinctly lower and in the kill zone. Mm. Kim Bauer is the stupidest and worst person I've ever seen exist anywhere. Online just flanked her, you know, sometimes it happens. <laughs> so Kim gets caught in a chain trap, what appears to be a Dakota line trap, which uh, often meant to trap coyotes, fox, and rabbits, and... One important note about these, they are meant to be simply and easily opened by humans <laughs> with thumbs. <laughs> so Kim she got- gets caught in this around her left ankle. She struggles futilely at the trap, and then she looks up to Curtis, to your point, upward to see a cougar sitting on a rock <laughs> staring at her. So Kim got stuck in it in an easy trap that only rabbits can't get out of, and she's just stuck there. And she's... She spends the rest of this episode in the trap. <laughs> that makes it so much better. I'm just going to say this. If you see a pack of wolves in a gully beneath you, and within three minutes, the wolves are above you by 400 feet, Those are flying you're wolves. done. And you deserve it. I'm sorry. You What the fuck? 
They've, you get, you deserve everything that, you, that is coming to you. Um, and again, though, to Michael, though, to your point, yeah, no matter what animal the, the snare is intended for, they are always intended to be opened by humans. Yeah, well, but if it was one of the, like, bear traps that, like, grabs your fucking ankles and digs into but them. But this, this was a wire cord. No, no, this was a steel wire trap. Right. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, a lot of them are not are not made are made so that okay. it's hard to open at the very least. Well, no. So let's say this again. So it's not a trap. It's a snare. It's a snare. Yeah. Right. Snare. All I have to do with the snare, a snare is a simple fucking loop. Like, it's not not a complicated knot. It's <laughs> you, just, you, you push, pull it apart. You push one thumb <laughs> down <laughs> on one end of the thing and you pull it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, it's a, it's essentially a shoelace that she got she got caught in a shoelace. Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but she's always wearing Velcro shoes or slip-ons. So. Damn it, you're fucking right. <laughs> Holy shit! So we cut to commercial at six thirty. She's also not allowed to have belts because she'd probably hang herself. Mm. We come back at six forty-one. God, Kim is somehow, and I don't really know a lot about big jungle cats, but Kim is continuing to stare down a cougar. <laughs> like, the neither she nor the cat has moved. Uh, we see Kate and Jack staring at the mosque. We see David Palmer being driven by Secret Service in a SUV to a remote location on the retreat. Secret cabin in the woods? Oh, nice. maybe Chris Hemsworth nice. will be there. Uh, he gets out and he meets with Agent Ted Simmons, who just walks out of the woods and <laughs> Yo, who's this mofo note, just hanging out so ted is played by stephen culp who's like one of those dudes who is just like in my memory in everything in the 90s and like early 2000s but i think he was actually just in the tv show jag uh, which if you listen to trends of little places you ooh. will know why i know that show um but like i love this dude and then Palmer just like kind of walks with him along a bridge and asks him about his background. Specifically, his background is a Green Beret. Hey, um, speaking of Jag. Yeah. So I yep. wasn't sure if I was going to be able to bring this up because Curtis is, is traveling this week. Okay. But guess who else was in Jag as Chief Kyle Anderson in two episodes? First one uh, being. All I know is Catherine Bell. Being Jaggle Bells. One Mr. Jim Hanks. Jimiford Hanks. Mm-hmm. He's brother of Tom Hanks and also an American I... actor and filmmaker. So he's Fred Claus, essentially. And you're not right? going to believe this, but if you've ever heard Woody's voice in a Toy Story video game, you have not Please. been hearing Tom Hanks. You have been hearing a one Mr. Jim Hanks. Thanks, Jim Hanks. James Hankston mm-hmm. did the voice of Woody in the video mm-hmm. games. Son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Do they sound that Jameson O'Hanks? Apparently they sound like almost <laughs> exactly the same. Or he can at least sound exactly the same. You know what? Actually, it's kind of nice that so like that two brothers can get away with that sort of shit. Right? In like because like my brother is much smarter than me. He's an electrical engineer. I can't just be like, oh yeah, this side project. <laughs> I got it. I got this for I'll, you. Don't worry about I'll, it. I'll I'll make a medical device that reads reads brainwaves. Hey, but like Kush, for Kush, kids, you can't, expe- you can't expect to be a genius and also a daywalker. Okay, you got one of those powers. Use it. So Palmer, so Jamestown Hanksburg <laughs> is the secret superstar. Mm-hmm. What are you telling me? And apparently well, they have a third brother named Larry Hanks who uh, who is an entomologist. Lawrence Hanksbury? <laughs> Seriously? So uh, Ted Simmons says. 
While I was a Green Beret in 1987, I worked in the Gulf and also ran covert missions under the direction of the CIA. And uh, Palmer says, well, have you heard about Roger Stanton being removed from the have NSA? Have you met like, my friend Roger? Well, I might have seen you do that literally four minutes ago. <laughs> so, yeah, my, yeah, my dude, that. I might have heard. I got a texto <laughs> message. And um, he just says, what I'm about to ask you to do falls outside the parameters of your charge at Secret Service. You know, money laundering and counterfeiting. I was about to say, so money or prison protection. That's so. Did you yep. guys? Okay. Did you guys watch Ted's face during this exchange? There is no. So yeah, let's get to this nothing. in one second. Just, yeah. You won't be able to tell anyone about this without my direct consent, which is not how presidential authority works. <laughs> mm. And I said, he says, I need you to extract information from Roger Stanton. If he resists, so yeah, he says that. And then, Michael, to your point, he smiles Ted's a little face, bit, just a tiny grins. little bit. Just mm. a smidgy. Mm. He knew exactly he said, what was coming. He smiles like a scotch, not a lot, but it, like he's been bored protecting the president uh-huh. and just says, if he resists, how far am I permitted to go? <laughs> this dude's straight up psycho. That's his only question. And David just says, as far as you need to, to which Simmons says, yes, sir. And like, Michael, to your point, my my line after that was, Simmons looks low-key amped up to oh, do yeah. this. <laughs> I've said it before, and I'll say it again, y'all. Everyone has their laughing place. He's very open about his place of laughter, though. Oh, man. He's like, I haven't been able to do this in years. I've just been following your stupid ass around. Yeah. Man, so Ted is just... I get to put some charges into some dude's brain. Let's fucking go. Ted is amped up about visiting, like... Roger Stanton in a pool of water, well, just, which we'll get to in a second. Like, this was Ted's equivalent of, like, for me. Someone in my office would be like, hey, y'all, we got a client coming into the office. Nine of their people canceled, so we have, like, tons of food left over. Come get free lunch. And Ted just so is like... If the food still isn't gone, how far am I How yeah. far am I allowed to go to get rid of all of the food? I, how far am I allowed to take this? <laughs> Finish the job, Cushing. So, essentially, Ted gets hard when he hears, hey, Ted, so Jack Bauer started something in there. We need you to finish it. Oh, God. (laughs) I know what Jack does. So, Oh, so they they loosen the jar for me. Cool. Got it. This should be easy. Um, So, we cut to CTU. We see Michelle Dessler sprinting through the hallways to inform Tony Almeida that uh, Reza Nair and the two accompanying agents, Richards and Maccabee, are dead. And Tony asks if there are any suspects. And Michelle says, well, the only person who left the building in the last 40 minutes is Marie Warner. And Tony just says, nah, that can't be it. But he calls Jack to sit to tell him what's going on and says, hey, Jack, you should keep this conversation one side. Which he doesn't. And <laughs> which he does not exactly. Um, but Tony basically says we need to treat Kate Warner as an unknown and says she might be working with her sister. To which Jack is just like. I don't think so because she'd be 100% dead if I hadn't shown up when I did. So Tony says, well, it's your call, but, um, you know, I just want to lay it out for you. So they hang up and Kate immediately asks about the phone call and asks if they are holding her father. And Jack says, your dad's safe. Um, and she asks immediately about Marie and Jack's just like, nah, I don't know shit. Sorry, dog. <laughs> 
<laughs> have they heard from her? Nah. Uh, no. Probably not. No, I got nothing. But speaking of Marie, we're about to hear from her because we cut to her walking through a machine shop wearing a really shitty black wig, Jesus close Christ. cropped to her it's face, so looking like... Also looking like she's wearing a trench coat and a red, like, silk negligee. Yeah. <laughs> she, she changed her appearance from just, like, normal blonde Californian with normal clothes to, like... To Vegas prostitute. Right. Uh, yeah. Somebody who's about to hire a private eye in the 50s? Like, I don't know. Yeah. So we get a tiny clock at... Uh, 6.46, please take a drink. She walks in and we see into a machine shop. We see a couple men look up from their carpentry projects and she approaches a row of lockers and she sees one with a masking tape label that says a masking tape <laughs> label that says Marco on it and then another that says Bill on it. She hesitates for a moment and then she walks towards the foreman's office where he walks out and she walks up and says she needs a favor and she needs something out of her boyfriend's locker. Because Bill told her that he was the man to talk to. And uh, Foreman says, well, I can't really do anything about that because it's it's illegal." locker. (laughs) And Marie says, you can't or you won't. And then she starts to touch him suggestively and says, I'll really show my appreciation and I'll show it to you first. Mm. Which is the weirdest thing I've ever heard anyone (laughs) say to anyone else in my life. It's like somebody trying. You have the choice. You have the choice. What do you want? Dealer's choice. I just um... so 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 then she just asked him like if his office has a lock on it, and then I'll say this: he looks very surprised. And I have two notes. One, there's no ring on this dude's finger, which was weird because okay, man, more power to you. Get get that dick sucked. Give a key to the locker. Two, he survives to the end of this episode. They always show this working immediately. Like, trying to seduce the guy to get what you want. And, like, I get that most of us are idiots, but I just feel like it's too easy. No, this is actually stupid. And, like, one, I have work to do. Two, (laughs) if I didn't have work to do, I would be getting donuts and or tacos right now. Uh, Like, I am Three, it's technically illegal, and I will lose my job when they find out. Yeah, that one probably wouldn't come into my head. The, the, the tacos and or donuts would definitely play a role, though. How far am I allowed to go with these tacos and donuts? Oh, I can check me. Yeah. She likes coming there. Can I open? Oh, where is he? He's out for at least. Uh, Marco's oh, fucking he's dead. Eat, he didn't come in today. I don't care. For... He's fucking fired. His. I'm gonna burn his locker to the ground. I'm gonna give it to like some. Uh, I don't fucking care. Marco's <laughs> dead to me. You're dead to me. Get the fuck out. No, don't touch my hand. God, no, you're, my dick. I'm no, keeping you can't it from have it. my yeah, I'm fucking going to get tacos. Mexican food. I'm gonna be out eating that food for 40 minutes. And I'm gonna tone it for another 30, 30 to 45 minutes. So leave me the fuck alone. Don't come back here. Is that a wig you're wearing? Are you a terrorist? What is happening? No, go away. Why do you talk so so softly? What the fuck is wrong with you? I can't hear anything you need help? you're saying. I'm going to call a hospital for you right now. It's a machine shop. You're going to have to speak up. There's literally people <laughs> sawing and pounding things. Can you please? I cannot hear. I just hear, I just hear breath. They lock the door. They pull the blinds. We cut to commercial at 648. We come back at 652. Teddy boy. In the dumbest, in his dumbest place. place possible. So we get we see a split screen showing Jack, Kim, and David. Then we cut to a small room in the Enrock where uh, things uh, don't look good for Roger Stanton. Mm. And before we get into this, guys, I want to... We haven't really talked about this. We've talked about Kim in this episode. We talked a couple episodes ago how we almost got an episode with no Kim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. 
and I, I, I don't want to blur past this because as dumb as this episode is regarding Kim and it has the cougars, Kim does not have a single line of dialogue. <laughs> In this episode. Oh, you're right. She just panted and huffed and puffed no, and whined. No, but her face is still so stupid. But Kim, but, but Kim does not say a word in this episode, which is a blessing. Yeah, she didn't even say like, from God. oh, cougar. <laughs> this, is, this is a blessing from God, Allah, from whoever is listening, whatever alien pantheon is out there. Like... This is just a blessing for in disguise. Yeah, it. That's uh, it, wow, wow. And wow. you don't even notice because it's so stupid. Wow. wow. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you guys notice that we didn't I get didn't. Kim dialogue? I didn't. I just. I think I heard it in my head. Anyways, every time she was on screen, I just heard. Ah, Dan. That's me. Like the moment her foot got trapped, I heard. Daddy. It's like, god damn it! There's a nuke. City, but your foot's cut, trapped. Let me come get you, sweetheart. So I, I just wanted to point that out because I it appreciate was delightful. That. But speaking of being caught in a trap, no, we see Roger Stanton sitting bound in a chair with his pant legs rolled up and his feet in a tub of water. I think I thought it was uh, really nice of them to make sure that his pants stayed dry. That was nice because you know? I, I bet that guy wears an expensive suit. For sure, to work. yeah, that's yeah, Italian yeah. joint. Can't get that and. Wet. Uh, Agent Simmons tells him time is of the essence as he squirts some some gel onto some defibrillator paddles, which I just wrote nope in my notes. <laughs> yeah, whole heap of nope. Yes. But what about if you I put just, it on your head? A whole heap of nope. Yeah, I, just, ju- I just wrote nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to, to, to make your heart kind of skip beats, um, feel like a goddamn heart attack. So, yeah, awesome times. So, Simmons says... The intensity and duration of the electrical current will increase substantially every time I repeat a question. And Satan says, yeah, I'm familiar with the technique. Just go ahead and do it. <laughs> and Simmons says, who are you working with? And gets no reply. I just I just don't think that this is the way you start. Like, sending electric shocks into someone's brain is probably not where you start if you want them to actually answer a question right um i don't know homeboy like if if so have you ever seen syriana yeah so if like if the terror if they started with me by like beginning to peel off my fingernails it's that's, that's it true. you're thinking, like oh wait no this is the hey, beginning y'all. this is no nope. hold on level one well, fuck that like i'll check a waterboarding out i'll be like oh give it a shot one time let's see how it feels well, that's so, weird but like so one that's... fingernail nah nah what do you want to know and All so the that's the thing here like <laughs> I think we've talked about this before in the last season. So, like, eventually Simmons puts the paddles to Stanton's head Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. shocks him because he refuses to answer. And we see David watching on a TV monitor. We've talked about this before. I would not stand up to the barest hint of violence in an interrogation. Like, if someone pulled out defibrillator paddles, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll tell you whatever you want to know. No problem. Duh. Yeah. Uh, International conspiracy. Yep. I was part of it. Here it is. And, like... I don't at this point I don't see what Stanton has to gain by not complying. Like yeah. Sherry can't be a part of a conspiracy big enough unless Curtis to your point there's other people in the government and it's not just this cabal. We like don't know. Like Stanton can't have backers who can defend him against the president. Well, but maybe are you, are you the sure, cabal though? is more dangerous than this torture. 
Well, he hangs on way longer than I would be able to do <laughs> because he withstands at least one electroshock. And uh, we see David again watching on a TV monitor, which seems pretty fucking morbid for the president to do. Yeah. Um, but we get a tiny clock at 6.54 and we see the sun setting over Los Angeles. And then we cut inside of CTU to see Tony Almeida walking into Bob Warner's cell who demands to know why Kate is with a CTU agent. And Tony assures him that Kate is safe, um, but we just found out that Ray Zanier is dead along with two of her agents. And Bob was like, okay, but what about Marie? What about Marie, Bob? <laughs> hey, Bobo, mm. uh, we believe that uh, the perpetrator of said murders, it's Marie. Yeah, the look on his face when... It goes from he thinks that she might be dead to he thinks she is dead to he's happy that she isn't dead to oh shit did she really kill all them people though she do that though it's a pretty good it was a pretty good facial expressions so <laughs> I am curious like do we believe Bob here because like I don't believe a single Warner I don't care yeah because like the thing is like you have to believe at least one of them at this do point. I. No, that's a good point. I don't trust um, anybody. Like it took it took them what ten hours to reveal that the Warners ever lived in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Like I don't trust anybody. This is insane. Yeah, that, so that's that's rule. That's number one. Hey, what might why might they be suspects? Well, they lived in Saudi Arabia for a couple of years. Well, well, fuck, okay, that's good to know. got it. Yeah, the chief, <laughs> the chief financier of international terrorism. Oh, maybe. Yeah, we'll listen. Um, so Bob does not believe it, and Tony just slides a CTU dossier over. Uh, the desk, and we get a tiny clock. It is 6.55, and we cut back to the mosque where the sun is fully set, and we cut to the top of the parking deck, and uh, Jack and Kate Warner are watching people leave the mosque, and uh, Jack hands the binoculars to Kate Warner to watch for Saitali. She does not see him, and Jack kind of is like, you tell me if you saw him, right? You tell me if you were a terrorist, right? Mm-hmm. You tell me that. And Kate says, yeah, why are you suspicious of me? Of course I would. I hate him. Uh, and Jack pretty quickly is just like, okay, yeah, she's telling the truth. And then just says, go to enter the mosque. And we see two agents store in the mosque. Jack runs down with Kate. They enter the mosque. The imam uh, named Alfalani comes out. And asks what's going on. He asks for a search warrant, and Jack shows it to him. And then all of a sudden, what do we hear and sort of see to Jack's left in the mosque? Something's on fire. Flame, Something's on fire. Flame goes up. We hear it. Mm-hmm. We see the glow. And uh... Jack and Agent Baker run mm-hmm. into that room, and they see a man wearing all black sitting in a chair. Fully engulfed in flames, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which fully involved, which they just saw Sayedali's mans do the cyanide tablet thing, which is pretty quick. Uh, why would they think that Sayedali would go full self-immolation instead of use that the old cyanide? He's he's for the cause, bro. It's also like the way they. So this guy was sitting on like. He was sitting on a Sunday school plastic chair built for a child, (laughs) fully engulfed in like 30 seconds worth of flame, not making a sound. Totes conflagration. Yeah, like like fully involved firehouse sub style. Um, 
you would at least make a whimper of noise if you were alive in that situation. <laughs> at least my ass. Jesus Christ. So maybe yeah, he did the cyanide like and then the self-immolation. Jack and uh, Agent Baker rush in. Uh, Jack smothers him, or Agent Baker smothers him with a with a blanket, and Jack shoots him up with a uh, fire extinguisher. And we see that this man is a real, real dead. <laughs> and uh, Jack calls into CTU to inform George Mason that Syeda Lee is presumably dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I, then in his, I basically was like, they cannot be this stupid, right? Yeah, no, there's no way. Yeah. So in a split screen, we see Marie Warner retrieve the trigger for the nuclear bomb from Marco's locker, and then she kind of just casually hands the keys back to the foreman, who is still just stupid. Um, <laughs> Very Bob Warner himself. is flipping through the dossier in his room, and then just kind of sits in his holding cell, looking aghast. And then Kim Warner, Kim Bauer, is just sitting stuck in her trap, just kind of hugging herself to keep warm. And then we see Jack on hold with CTU in the room. And then what does he see? This man's got short pants. Man's got short pants. pants. (laughs) High water, son. He's wearing them capris. (laughs) He notices that the man who is burned to death is wearing some high water jeans. Mm -hmm. You ain't Cam Newton, son. (laughs) (laughs) And that his pants are several inches too high. And Jack knows that is a fashion faux pas when you're wearing black with silver buttons. You do not go short it, pants. To, to church. Right. To church. So clearly. And he radios and says, Syed Ali is still alive. He's in this building. Keep your secure exits. We're going to find him. And he runs off past a very startled Kate Warner. And we cut to black at 6.59 and 59 seconds. Welcome to the PM hours. It's dark now. The witching hour. No. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> We're, that's at least a couple hours. I say, we're at least getting a witching hour this season, though. We are getting at least one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you claim it's every every hour after dark, so yes. By the way, uh, I tried to search if you could defibrillate someone's head without killing them, and mm. the answer is probably not, but I did come across <laughs> a... Somebody asked a question on uh, the Stack Exchange biology. Um, can defibrillation be done with a car battery? Is it possible for this to work? <laughs> it's like so. Someone watched Cranked and Cranked Two and wanted to know if Jason Statham could clamp his nipples to a car battery and just you know power charge his heart. The old chip. They claim is if it's, if you're stuck in a remote place and you you don't have access to a defibrillator and you really need one. Crank Three Bauer Power. <laughs> <laughs> You need a regulator and all kinds of bullshit on the end of that thing before you can do it. Yeah, I guess you can do it. And then somebody answered in like six paragraphs, and at the end it just says, in short, a car battery is really the wrong tool for the job. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, midget. Shocking report. (laughs) Also, also hurricanes are bad, (laughs) y'all. Tornadoes will suck you up real good. Um, Okay, well, before we just close So will your mom. I'm sorry. Oh, (laughs) Tornado category F mom. Mm. Um, well, so okay, Curtis. Yep. I you've kind of alluded to this. How do you feel about the entire Warner family right now? They're all evil. Mm. Um, they're all guilty. They're all the devil. Burn them all. Sort the rest do out. Do you later. think that okay. they're they're all the same amount of knowledgeable about the actual plot? No. I do you don't. think Marie is the that, only it, one who knows the yes, whole plot? I do. Okay. 
And the rest of them are garbage people. Here's the here's <laughs> the question. They're just garbage. They, they need to go. Sorry. Here's this. Who do you think is the most dangerous person around President David Palmer right now? Sherry. You mean sh- and maybe you Mike mean Shady. Okay. So Lynn's in the clear. No. Right. You said most dangerous. I'm just ranking. <laughs> okay, most dangerous. Okay. So Sherry and Mike. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sherry seems like a given, given that she's currently in on the plot. <laughs> Who's the most dangerous but, okay. to Roger Stan right now? Teddy Ted boy. Simmons. Teddy boy. Okay. How do you how do you think Kim is going to get out of Cougar Town? <laughs> Don't know. I'm so, so mad. St- it's going to be so stupid. Dude, I'm so <laughs> madly curious what you think is going to happen versus what so Michael and I, I like, know is going to happen. I just I feel like the trap's going to like get set loose from the soil because it's the desert. No make sense of it. And I just it's going to make me sad. Like you're just going to walk around the woods for another like four or five episodes being Curtis, dumb. I want you to really think about what's going on in this season. <laughs> And what might make sense for for Kim to get out of this cougar trap? <laughs> Just like give it give it twenty seconds of thought. We're gonna we're gonna pause, and I I want to I want you to like I, I want you to really conjecture. I can't. I can't. Don't make me do it. I want you to channel your Hollow Notes vinyl album. Come on, get in there. I want I want a creative solution for this. Okay, within the current season. Okay, either she's going to be freed by a rogue member of David's government who hasn't been discovered yet and then kidnapped and then held for ransom um, or 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 what the fuck, George, whatever his name was, the asshole dad will find her because, you know. Uh, <laughs> he found her in the woods. Why the fuck not? Um, <laughs> or, or for some reason, I don't know, Nina will stumble upon her. I have no idea. Kim is so stupid, it's hard to actually guess what's going to happen. It's weird that you kind of put together a triple mixture of just the right the right ingredients that like kind of got pretty yeah, close you just to need, it. You have is, the right ingredients, you just don't quite have the amounts for the recipe yet. I can't get myself in the stupid headspace of Kim yet. Yeah, you, you haven't created kind of drugs like an, other than booze. I forget chemistry terms, so you didn't really create the right solution, but you got pretty close. <laughs> oh, God. Whatever. Let's just move on. I yeah, don't well, Kim anymore. Well, fellas, um, I think that's that's going to do it for us this week on, on The Longest Days of Our Lives. Uh, any any closing thoughts for us? Fucking Kim. Yeah, that'll do it. I feel like I should get well, my money you... back for every Toy Story video game I ever bought. Yeah, oh. Jim, Jim Hanks? What? Huh? The fuck out of here. Jack F. Hankity. It's a great, great voice actor. Jameson? Yeah. That's it. I'm not I'm not even gonna continue on this. I I, I You know don't who even should have played Sully? Jim Hanks. <laughs> Actually, yeah, fuck yeah, that would have been a cool one for Jim Hanks to do like arrive on the scene. It's like, oh, who's this guy? Tom Hanks' brother? He can do it too. He played the best pilot in the world. If you like this episode, you can find out more information at goodbuddymedia.com. Or if you want to share a dumb, uh, you know, sort of uh, Eli Manning or Tom Hanks theory with us, you can reach us at goodbuddymedia at gmail.com. We read every single message we get. Or if you know anything about defibrillating human heads. Yeah, if you, yeah, if you've ever tied someone to a chair, put their feet in a bowl of water, and then defibrillated their head... We'd actually love to hear from you. We are willing to do some sort of anonymous Tor browser uh, chat functionality that 
will not reveal your identity, mm-hmm. you sicky fucking freak, <laughs> but we would still like to talk with you. Um, so, yeah, that's all on the table. Um, you'd also might like our sister show, Trends in Low Places, in which Michael and I, and occasionally our good, good buddy, Curtis, uh, talk about dumb internet trends and stories. Uh, you can find that one at uh, also at goodbuddymedia.com uh, or on, you know, all your podcast stuff. And Curtis, how else can people help us out? Yeah, guys, if you want to help us out, go ahead and download and subscribe to our podcast, whether it be As Long As Days of Our Lives or Trends of Low Places on your podcast app of choice. So if that's, you know, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Addict, however you subscribe to your weekly slash monthly podcast, please uh, subscribe to our shows on that. And then when you do that, please like and subscribe and share uh, our shows. That is how we will continue to grow in the rankings and become eventually a podcast juggernaut. Uh, but enough from me. Uh, Michaels, how do we tell them how to get this on the old social medias? You can find us on uh, Twitter at uh, LDuelCast, L-D-O-O-L-Cast, and also on Facebook. Uh, put the dot com slash uh, LDuelCast in there or search for Longest Days of Our Lives. Um, and you can also find... Um, you can also find Tilpcast at on Instagram and Facebook and uh, all those good things as well. Um, yeah, and as you almost certainly could have surmised, this is just a show about 24, not about Tom Hanks and all of his extended family members. <laughs> Sometimes. But, yes, please, uh, when you see us post something on one of the social medias, please, please uh, retweet it and uh, share it and you know, give us a like or a comment and uh, let us know what you like and don't like. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. Do you guys know Tom Hanks received the Presidential Medal of Freedom? For his work as Sully Sullenberger? No, this was in 2016. Yeah, well, he received several of them. I saw it in the documentary Forrest Gump. several of them? Are you kidding me? No, in the documentary Forrest Gump. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, folks, Next. that'll do it for us this week on Trends. Or damn it, <laughs> that'll do it for this week on Longest Days of Our Lives, fellas. We're running out of time. Toodles.